Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to anything take just like a quick me, your health to thank you all who continually support I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and I have been so blessed and honored by your continual well, I have some great news I wanted to make sure that James you don't miss out on has partnered with Bio-Optimizer so make sure you sign up for your nutrition at jamesmillerlifeology.com but after taking a 12-week health course Bio-Optimizer's offers and implementing their supplements I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio Bio-Optimizer's is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity. How to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings. How to select the most powerful supplements for you. How to stay lean and trim without sacrifice. The simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin. And much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you be aware of what you're really communicating. I'll also be interviewing leadership performance coach and high-impact facilitator, Erica Peetler, who helps organizations create the conditions for change and growth so they can operate at levels of excellence. She also reviews her book, Leadership Rigor, which gives you a comprehensive plan of how you too can maximize your own leadership potential. For more information about Erica, please visit ericapeetler.com. That's E-R-I-C-A-P-E-I-T-L-E-R. You may also purchase her book on Amazon or in the previous guest's product section in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. What are you really communicating? There's nothing worse than trying to communicate your feelings or thoughts to a person who just doesn't understand you. They misinterpret your words or perhaps even your nonverbals, and it creates a rift between the two of you. It's really necessary for each of us to be mindful of what it is we're trying to accomplish. I know it can be difficult to have those thoughts before you start an interaction with someone, but it is important to do that. One of the best times to do that is if there is a conflict between people. Before you start any conversation, you wanna ask yourself, what is my end goal? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? And when you have that in the forefront of your mind, you're consciously aware of what you say and what you do to accomplish that goal. (laughs) There's nothing worse than having an argument with somebody and your expectation at the end of the argument is actually have some type of reconciliation. But they say something to you and oh, it gets under your skin and you have the best comeback. But in that moment, you have to remember if your objective is for reconciliation, you cannot say that comeback. 
When we're aware of these internal objectives, it creates a whole other level of communication and allows you to navigate how that conversation goes. Now, of course, it's going to be difficult to do that for every single interaction we have, but it is important to start with the more difficult conversations because when that happens, you, you hold that objective in the forefront of your mind and it helps you be aware of what it is you want to accomplish. Many of you don't know this about me, but I'm actually a forensic evaluator as well. And what that means is the courts would hire me to do forensics. In other words, I would be hired to determine if people are competent to stand trial or also evaluate them for their sanity at the time of the offense. My whole point in telling you that is this, we are trained to determine when people lie. The majority of us have this instinct of when we know that something just seems off. Now, of course, we have to differentiate between our own past experiences versus what truly is a falsehood. So those of you who do interact with me do know that I do know when you're lying or telling me a falsehood. <laughs> but on a different note, it is important for each of us to make sure that we don't allow our own past stuff, our own past insecurities or frustrations or quote, issues to get in the way of what we're trying to communicate or of what we hear from the other person. Because sometimes what people say versus what we hear are completely different. So be aware of that. If you find that a person says something that you immediately get triggered by it, or in other words, your emotions spike for some reason, you need to ask them for clarification because more than likely you misunderstood what they were trying to say. Another thing is just simply be aware of your body language. Often we think that our body language is congruent, or in other words, the same with what we're saying, but often it isn't. But the majority of us will go with our gut instinct. If people's arms are crossed, or they're tapping their foot, or they're not making eye contact, that can tell us that they're not interested. Or vice versa, it can tell them that you're not interested. Doesn't mean that's the case, but it is important to make sure that you do honor that person when you do communicate with them by being aware of what your body is doing, because your body will give more clues than you realize. A little aside here, one thing we do in forensics is we look at people's feet. Your feet will always give away if a person is lying or not. That's the only clue I'll give you on that. So I really want you to practice this. When you are with your coworkers or with your friends or even family, be aware of what your body is doing. Is your body in line with your listening skills or is your body in line with what you're trying to say? And if it is, great job. But if you find that the other person is perhaps becoming a little triggered by either what you said or what you're doing, it is important to take responsibility, stop the conversation, Check in with them, find out what they're experiencing, and then make sure that your words and your actions are the same. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. My guest today is Erica Peetler, who is an author, speaker, and accomplished leadership performance coach and high-impact facilitator. She works with Fortune 500 companies as well as CEOs from small to mid-sized and privately held organizations to create the conditions for change and growth with her clients so they can achieve their potential as individual leaders, high-performing teams, and organizations operating at levels of excellence. Welcome to my show, Erica. Thanks, James. I'm happy to be here. I am as well. It's been a long time coming. My listeners don't know this, but Erica and I had a wonderful time having to recreate our schedules so she could be on the show today. So thank you once again, Erica, for joining with us. Now, did you always know that you wanted to go into the leadership performance um, field? 
No, actually, I started off as a corporate executive. Um, coming out of pharmacy school, I did a summer internship in OTC healthcare and fell uh-huh. in love with the whole concept of communicating to consumers and helping them understand what drugs were right for them. And I had a very successful 20-year career, but I was always fascinated by leadership. So I think I always had an interest, but I actually didn't see this one coming as a career. Oh, that is interesting. So starting in the pharmacy aspect of it and then transitioning over. Now, even as a young girl, did you know that you had the ability to be such a profound leader? Um, profound leader. What a compliment. I, I think, <laughs> I think as, a, as a young girl, I think what I learned about myself pretty quickly was I was a good communicator okay. and I was able to synthesize information quickly. And what mm-hmm. I didn't realize, what I, what I knew was that I was good at communication. What I didn't realize is how valuable a skill that is in mm. the corporate world and in the sure. leadership world. So I'm just really leaning into the God-given strengths that I have and trying mm-hmm. to leverage them as much as I can. Well, before we get started, I wanted to get maybe some clarifications because I have so many listeners on my show and some people are familiar with the corporate world or corporate speak and other people are not. What is a leadership performance coach and a high impact facilitator? Great question. So the way I describe being a leadership performance coach, the the critical word in there is performance, which is everything we do in life and in business is a combination of both the results that we're going after, what it is we're trying to achieve, as well as the behaviors that we demonstrate while we're going after it. So how we do it. So everything that I focus on in my leadership practice is about performance because it's about the results and the behavior. And old school used to be only about results, right? But it's really about that combination. Yeah. And being a high impact facilitator, what I try to communicate in that description is I'm willing to go wherever the client or the person on the other side of the conversation needs to go so that they can move forward, they can make progress and they can have the impact that they want to have in the world. And I'm not going to be afraid to go there. So I'm hoping that I have a high impact by taking them and the conversation where they need to go. Excellent. In my field, in psychology, we have what's called a parallel process. A parallel process is essentially if I'm helping a patient of mine move through something, but yet there's a part of me that's learning something as well. It's a parallel process where we're both learning something that's important for us, but the process is happening at the same time. What I hear you say as far as the performance aspect of it is as a leader is getting the results they want, but the process within them is a parallel approach of the outcome is in correlation or related to the process within themselves to become the expert leader. Agree. Agree. And by the way, in, in just as you know, you describe that, the benefits that I get from the work that I do, and I'm sure you get from the work that you do, is, is just incredible. I mean, yeah. I love what I do <laughs> yes. because it's all about growth every day. Yours, <laughs> mine, ours. <laughs> well, even right now as we're talking about this, I'm sure there's a parallel process. I'm learning from you. You know, you're maybe learning from things that I'm doing as well. So the parallel process or the, or the tertiary process, whatever you want to call it, I mean, it's always happening all the time. And I think that's something to be aware of that we're all learning and growing. You know, when I'm with a patient or I'm on, on the show here, I learn so much and I get excited about it because as I'm teaching it, it becomes more crystallized in my mind, but I'm also just learning and learning and learning. So I'm sure for you as well, you have this plethora of knowledge as you continually teach people how to become the experts that they are. Yeah. And, you know, when you say, you know, hey, you know, profound leader or this, I, what I look at myself as, and, and you probably look through the same lens, I'm a practitioner. Yeah, you know, yeah, every exactly. day I'm practicing and learning every <laughs> single day and getting better at the trade, you know, so that's what it's all about. 
Yeah, well, that's great. Okay, well, obviously you're very, uh, you know, I've working with your schedule here, I know how incredibly busy you are. So that's obviously you're very good at what you do. So you have a book that's called Leadership Rigor, which is a very powerful book that I definitely want to talk about later. But in that, you talk about uh, leadership performance coaching, that it's about helping leaders be consciously competent, emotionally intelligent, and extremely disciplined about how they show up. Help us understand a little bit more about that. Sure. So fundamentally, the the model that I use within leadership rigor, and I call it the, the rigor model, is you have inputs. The inputs that you have are your consciousness and your discipline. What are you focusing on? And then you practice day to day, whether it's in psychology or mm-hmm. leadership or business. And the outputs that you're looking for are performance and productivity. So to me, everything that mm, I try to do in you know, the, the leadership rigor and the coaching I do, I focus people on the outputs of performance and productivity. But I say, to get to the outputs, you have to focus on the input and the throughput, which is conscious discipline and practice. Yeah, exactly. It, it, one of the things I, I really, in, in my, I guess in my field, is, is I really help people recognize the roles that they play. For example, I, right this moment, I am um, a radio host. Now, when I hang up, and I actually have some patients this evening, so when I speak with my patients tonight, I'm going to be a psychotherapist. One of the things I think many people don't or aren't aware of is the specific role that they're playing. If I bring in too many roles at once, and if I if I want to think of this as a job description, if I will, if I bring in too many, if I'm playing too many roles or too many job descriptions, my efficacy rate or my outcome is not going to be as as specific or as um, really focused as it could be because I'm I'm allowing external forces or bringing in too many external factors to help me make a decision because I'm not as focused as I could be. Agree. And what I would call that in leadership, what you've just explained Mm -hmm. is the conscious discipline that I have people focus on is I have them focus their convergent thinking, right? So be focused. Mm -hmm. And what you ultimately get or what you have to try to remind people about sequencing is you want performance and productivity and you want that to be divergent. You want that Mm -hmm. to be big, but you don't want to be all over the place in going after it. You want to use your convergent thinking to focus on those few leverageable areas that you can really make an impact with. And then occasionally you want to be divergent and brainstorming and looking all over the place. But usually when you're doing that, you're using way too much energy and potentially, you're right, dissipating the impact and the approach that you can have in productivity. Now, the different types of leaders that you work with, are they sometimes just thrown into this position of, okay, now you're a leader? Great question. So a lot of times, a lot of times the the folks that I work with are usually at the top of the house. So they could be the CEO of a small to mid-sized company. Mm -hmm. Now they may have been a family member and, you know, be part of a generational succession plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I work with some executives that, you know, get promoted into different roles. But most of the people today that I'm working with or that I have the luxury and the privilege to work with, they're getting more and more thoughtful about who they're putting in those roles. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that fewer and fewer people are just getting thrown into them. And rather they're making, you know, really well thought out choices about who has the skills and the behaviors and back to that performance, boy, it's the behaviors that Mm -hmm. we really lack in most of the leadership areas today. The driving for results, we get a lot of great stuff. We have a lot of really smart, talented people out there that want to just plow through and get stuff done. What we don't have a lot of is people with the influence and the finesse and the skills to be able to work with the messiness of Mm. people, their emotions, their egos, their personalities. Yeah, that, that interpersonal effectiveness part of it. Sure, I get that. Absolutely. Well, that helps me. I, mean, I guess that brings me to the next thought I have as far as the culture. So you have a new person that you bring into to an organization or you're working with them. How do you help them bolster the culture 
or just to really enhance the culture? Okay, another great question, and it reminds me of a conversation I was having earlier today. Um, I was talking to someone about football, and you know the uh, the Indianapolis Colts have a new coach, right? Mm-hmm. Matt Patricia, who is uh, from the New England Patriots. So the New England Patriots, as a team, have have a very strong culture, right? You know, very strong culture under Bill Belichick, and he's probably trying to bring that culture over to the Indianapolis. Cults. What I've learned about culture, culture is the collective how mm-hmm. we do things sure. around here. And if you're coming in from the outside, it is best to figure out how to get yourself into the culture that you're working with, learn it, absorb it, and then change it from the inside as an sure. insider and push out the edges versus a lot of people make the mistake of coming in, say, hey, listen, I know how to fix this place. Follow me. Here's where we're going. And they tr- try to, you know, compel or impose themselves and push people to adopt their way of doing things, you have to evolve culture and you have to do it from the inside. So you really found that then with maybe the the top level executives that you work with, if they do come in from different organizations or different companies, if they immediately try to have a paradigm shift or just change that culture, you have found that it's there's been a lot of resistance? I mean, I would assume so. Absolutely. And what I find most of all, James, and this is really an an interesting part of what I talk about in Leadership Rigor, a lot of people will come in from the outside and the first thing they try to do is just change the strategy. And they say, hey, we need a new strategy. We got to go, you know, and do this and do that. And what I say is, wait a second, you got to start with the culture, because Mm -hmm. if you change the strategy and you don't have the way we do things around here and the people on the bus that are necessary to execute that strategy, then you've just created a strategy for an organization that doesn't exist. You have to create a strategy for your organization and to know your organization, you have to know your culture and know your talent. And that needs to be the first place of emphasis. I find that executives who do that in the appropriate sequence have enormous success. And those that don't get it out of sequence mm-hmm. have enormous challenges. Sure. I, I could imagine. So is there a certain period of time that it takes to really learn the culture before you can change it? You know, if you have a burning platform and you come in with an open heart and an open mind, it's amazing how quickly you can understand Mm -hmm. and and get to know the culture. The biggest thing is you have to come in and you have to watch and listen and be self-managing enough to move slow at first so that you can move fast later. Those that come in and move fast at first because they have that burning platform they can't like contain themselves, mm-hmm. they don't often have as much trajectory in terms of the success that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Those that self-manage, pause, listen, learn, observe, then have the credibility and better uh, chances of getting heard and being followed. Well, how where do you find that some of the bottlenecks are? Because I mean, I would assume that a lot of the, when the transition happens, let's say you know, new, a new CEO comes in or, or just even um, change happening from the top down, I would assume that it's bottlenecked a lot in the mid-level managers. How do you help them not only learn from their superiors, but also have their own version of their own leadership development so that can really pass it down to the people below them. Yeah, so that's that's a great that's a great point. The biggest thing, and I, I tend to work with a lot of organizations that are actually going through those types of changes, mm-hmm. and it starts at the top of the house, right? You have to get that leadership team aligned. You have to get them, you know, clearly on the same page, and you have to make a really good impression on the fact that they need to execute what I call two currencies of leadership. Okay. They need to be able to communicate extremely well, and they need to be able to build relationships, which build trust and confidence in the direction that they're going in. So a lot of times it's that involvement and that engagement that the CEOs or the leadership teams lack. They think that they can send out a memo, throw out Mm -hmm. a couple of edicts, hear the directions that we're going in, step up or, you know, ship out. 
And it doesn't happen that way. It happens by conversation, adoption. You know, we ask people to grow, right? Whether it's growing professionally, growing the business. Well, to grow, you have to be able to take risks and make changes. And unless you've created a safe space environment, unless you've involved and connected with people, they're not going to feel that trust and that ability to take risks and make changes. So what are you going to do? You're going to stifle your growth. Mm -hmm. You know, our instincts really need to be aligned with what we're really trying to accomplish. Well, that makes me that makes me just think automatically to just effective communication. If I'm sending a memo or an edict out, that's I'm only leading by memo. <laughs> I'm not exactly. leading by an actual conversation with people. How do you really help people understand their ability or just really hone their communication skills? So I, I joke around with most of my clients. I go, you know, communication is an illusion. It looks like someone's listening. It looks like someone's talking. That's not happening at all. Um, you know, the, the first, the first, the first thing is to, you know, really just unpack and, and talk about the fact that communication is the lifeblood to everything, mm -hmm. right? Like that is the communication and, and, and relationships are the only real ways that we can get things done as leaders. So you have to master that skill set. And when you start to break that down and you say, so what's in the communication skill set, listening, you know, asking good questions, um, you know, being able to synthesize information, being able to be clear, being able to be direct. I mean, we're all flawed communicators sure. in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone has different growth areas, but just having the conversation and raising the awareness about how important communication is and how what we think we say isn't what lands on the other person sure. and teaching people about the tools and the ways to observe whether your communication is landing well, those are priceless conversations and end up being priceless tools in organizations that are trying to learn and grow. Do you help people with their emotional intelligence? Just that awareness of that? Always. I mean, everything is, I mean, everything that you do in coaching, I mean, it's great that 20, 25 years ago, you know, Daniel Goleman and others gave mm -hmm. us that label of emotional intelligence. But when you really fundamentally look at it, everything in leadership is about emotional intelligence. Exactly. Being the smartest person in the room is almost a liability. Being the most emotionally intelligent person yes. in the room, that's an asset. Yes. And that's true because that's one of the things I always teach as well is you'll find people who have the high, like a higher IQ versus people who have maybe a higher EQ. The person with a higher EQ usually feels inferior or less competent than the person who has a higher IQ because the person with a higher IQ does not have the emotional intelligence to be able to read that person well, to give the nonverbals, to give the cues. And so the person with a higher EQ is usually like trying to read them, but they're not able to. And so that creates an insecurity within them. So I agree with you 100%. <laughs> the higher IQ is great, but it also can be a liability when it comes to communication. It does. You know, it's so funny that you say that. I mean, obviously, because you're a practitioner on the psychological side. I mean, that's so true and so well said. <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I laugh about it myself because, you know, when I was a young executive, um, you know, I, I, I tell my clients all the time, I, I had IQ, I thought that was way ahead of my EQ and mm -hmm. really had to learn and suffer through learning about what the liability was of being, you know, in some <laughs> cases a jerk and, and maybe not having the EQ that I needed. And now, you know, thank God you can learn about EQ, you know, yes. it's a, it's a yes. learnable skill. It's it really a is. buildable skill because I've worked hard to build it. But, you know, early in the day, I, I was really um, below the curve on 
on that very yeah. much. And it really, it really, it, we will have our blind spots in life, but you know, upon reflection, we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. I mean, I've, I've experienced that before in my life and you're like, wow, James, could it have been any more obvious that you totally did not read the room correctly? I mean, it, it makes me laugh <laughs> nowadays, but, but thankfully, like you and myself, we, we've definitely have gotten there. Well, you know, but it makes me think as well, it's just a simple differentiation between words. You know, we all have different connotations. In other words, different meanings for words. For example, if I use the word love, well, if I'm talking to, let's say you versus talking to a 13-year-old girl, that word has a completely different understanding, a completely different meaning. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting, I think, just when it comes to the simple words that we use while we communicate with someone, literally watching their facial, their facial cues as you say it to them or watching their disposition allows you to know what they've really heard. Because, like, you know, going back to the whole EQ aspect of it, you can read so much on a nonverbal from from nonverbals, but it's also the words that you use may have so much more a profound meaning to the other person than to yourself. So just even being conscious of the the vocabulary that one uses is so important. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And and what you're saying is so true in terms of that observational opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and you know it's not just observational. You could probably hear it when you're interviewing people. Oh, certainly. You know, oh man, I'd like to take that word back if I could, you know, probably <laughs> you can feel it when people people deliver it afterwards. You're like, did I really say that? Yeah, yeah, well. So what's next for you? I mean, it sounds like you're taking on the world and I love it. So what's next for you, Erica? So, I mean, right now I am just in such a great place with so many of my clients. I do customized leadership journeys. So I'll go into a company, work with their leadership team, develop a customized journey. Leadership rigor really has some great traction. I have some amazing clients that I'm working with. And, you know, what I'm really trying to do now is figure out a way where I can try to cascade the message more broadly. So, you know, opportunities like this, you know, opportunities to take the learning and leadership rigor and put it into podcasts and, you know, different ways that people can touch it and feel it. I'm really an evangelist when it comes to great leadership and conscious awareness. So I'm trying to do that in as many ways as I can. Well, it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about your, even purchase your book, Leadership Rigor, or even work with you, where would they find this information online? So best place is Erica Peetler, E-R-I-C-A-P-E-I-T-L-E-R, com. You'll find all of my contact information. I'm on Twitter at Erica Peetler. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Leadership Riggers on Amazon.com and, you know, all sorts of ways to reach out, learn more about if you want to be a coach, happy to help. If you want to do some coaching, happy to see if we can connect. And if you're interested in customized leadership journeys, would love to talk to you as well. Excellent. So Erica, what I do, my listeners know this as well, is that if they're not able to find your book on Amazon, simply go to the store, jamesmillerlifeology.com. And in the store there, you can find Leadership Rigor, which will link you directly with Amazon. Erica Peetler, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on my show today. I really did appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks, James. It was great being here. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever port you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.